Welcome to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. I'm Richard Bliss, your host. This is episode 138. Quick shout out and a thank you to Mark Spector, one of our uh, vocal fans out on Twitter. Mark just wanted to say thank you for listening. Appreciate the, uh, the positive comments out there. This episode, I got a great guest. We're going to talk about uh, the business of Kickstarter and uh, what it means to actually build your business on that principle. But before we do, I like to sometimes just kind of make a call to some random people. In this case, my daughter reached out to me and had a question. I thought, let's just ask her and put her on the show. Leah, are you there? Yes. Yes, hello. Hey, it sounds like you're on the train. Are you commuting to work? I, I'm, I'm uh, on the commute to work. You had uh, asked the question of me, and I thought that uh, we'd just take a second here and ask it to my audience. What was the question about crowdfunding and Kickstarter? Oh, sure. Um, the question was, is that because my my job and any sort of Kickstarter project that I would want to be doing in the future would be, um, I feel very limited by my geographical location. I'm not looking to put a product online or ship anything out. It would be, I would need people geographically to come to me. And I just want to know how with Kickstarter that could be achieved. So trying to, rather than using, you're trying to do something in your case that doesn't really apply to anybody outside your city or your town that's local. Right, right. And so the question is, is that how many, I guess I'd ask, because you and I live in different places, how, how savvy are your potential backers to Kickstarter in that geographical area? Um, not as much as maybe other places, and frankly, I don't know. I haven't met anyone on the street that's looked at me and said, hey, Kickstarter. <laughs> well, that actually might be a way to start, uh, because if you can start getting a little bit of buzz going around the whole concept of crowdfunding and Kickstarter, you know, we talk about an elevator pitch. In those 30 seconds, you can't explain Kickstarter and your project. You can explain either one or the other. So that might be a start. With just explaining to people getting almost a, a following, a Kickstarter following where I live before even pitching my specific idea. That's right. Maybe uh, um, at your work, creating a little flyer and just uh, that says, hey, I'm, this is what I'm doing. And on one side, your project. On the other side, is an explanation of what Kickstarter is. Or having a... Oh. What? Just just so that people know what it is, the right. concept, the With platform. The, that's right. You know, uh, you have your friends uh, and your networking friends. You might just have a Kickstarter party where you, everybody comes together and they bring their, their whatever project they think that they should do on Kickstarter and, and have your own little critique. It's not really official, but it would just be a little party to introduce some of your non-technical or non-Kickstarter knowledgeable friends Hey, this is what this oh, is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be a low-key, non-pushy way to just get the idea out there. Right. Again, the, to my audience that's listening, the first thing to do is to, uh, to inspire and get people excited about the idea of a, what crowdfunding is. Then hit them up with your idea. So that, that would be some suggestions. Or if you know anybody that knows something about crowdfunding is maybe is the next time they're in town visiting, you might have them do a little uh, evening where uh, some friends come together and you get to talk to them and they can answer questions. You know anybody that knows anything about Kickstarter? Uh, not, not, no, something in my head I don't. All maybe right. I'll ask my dad. Yeah, maybe ask your dad. All right. Well, that, <laughs> Leah, great. It's been great to have you ask that question. I know that you'd reached out to me, so I thought uh, I'd give you a chance. Okay. Enjoy your work. Perfect. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Okay. See ya. Bye. Okay. Bye. That's one of the nice things about this show. I get to do random things like that. 
And uh, that was nice. That was a great question. How to find local geographically limited uh, backers for your Kickstarter project. Uh, I appreciated that. Caught her on her uh, commute. Now it's time for our guest. For this episode, I reached out and invited um, someone who's been on the show a couple of times, Mr. Patrick Nickel from Crash Games, because we're going to talk about the business of games and kind of what it means to be in the board game industry as a business uh, from his perspective. And so this episode is about the board game space. So Patrick, thank you for joining me on the show. Thanks for having me, Richard. Okay, so let's talk about, this is your third time. The first time was when you had Rise come out. That uh, seems forever ago. And yes, then, it does. <laughs> and then Lost Dutchman, right? Mm-hmm. Lost Dutchman that came out. Uh, loved the video you guys did for that one. That was a lot of fun. And so um, you've been doing this for a while now. How long have you been uh, in – because Crash Games has been around for how long? Well, this is, this is year two, um, but I tell you, it's, it's like dog years. I feel like I've been doing sure. this for the better part of a decade. It, it, is, it is long miles traveled. It's, you get your uh, – you get your energy's worth out of this. <laughs> well, you do. And, you know, and what's happened, because we're here to talk about Kickstarter, but what's happening is that Kickstarter, not just in the board game space, but in music and film all over the place, uh, video games, that it's allowing people like you, like me, to kind of say, you know what, I want to take a stab at doing this and whatever this is. And so Kickstarter allows you to kind of put that idea out there. And if you get enough fans to keep going and keep doing it, right? Yeah, I did. without Kickstarter, uh, I don't have a career right now. Right. So let's talk about uh, let's talk about that a little bit because there's a lot of our listeners. So right now, I'm talking to you in the car, on the phone, on the treadmill, on the bike. <laughs> no, it would sound a lot different if I was on a treadmill. Richard. No, no, I know, not you. We're talking to our audience because uh, our audience, you guys are listening because you have an idea and you want to figure out how to make your idea reality. Most of you are board gamers, and so you have your board game idea. You're watching all that money pour into the Kickstarter and funnel, and you're saying, hey, I want a piece of that. I want my dream to be realized, hence funding the dream. That's why we're here talking. Patrick, you kind of went through that, yet it's been a learning process, hasn't it? It's, it's a perpetual learning process. Every time you think that you have it figured out, you better be careful because uh, it changes. It changes on a daily basis. It changes on a weekly basis. Um, when Kickstarter first started out, it seemed that uh, exclusive content was all the demand. And in my opinion right now, um, stretch rewards seem to be the, the most popular thing, at least within the, the board game arena. So it's like if you think you have it figured out, well, you, you better have a good handle on it because it's, it's perpetually changing. And not just the Kickstarter side, but you started off with this um, with your first game was, was it Rise? Was that the first game? Yeah, Rise. Rise was Crash Games' first game. Uh, we followed that up with um, The Lost Dutchman and then uh, Dungeon Heroes, which now currently belongs to Gameland Games. Okay. And, and in your case, you started this thing off and you designed Rise – well, uh, Michael co-designed Rise, oh, okay. but I helped them develop it, and we published it together. So Michael designed it. You guys, you, so you you kind of de- he developed it. You you produced it. You published it, um, and you've kind of gone through this whole process. And and right now you're even you've been experimenting with a little bit of self distribution, right? Yeah it's it's been a it's been a crazy whirlwind. Um, 
of the last six months and just trying to figure out how do I best fit into this space um, as a business because I originally had a had a distributor, um, wasn't happy uh, with that relationship. And so looking, looking to go elsewhere and, and unfortunately wasn't able to, to seal a deal before the lost Dutchman shipped. And since I have a, you know, a commitment to my backers, I had to receive that myself and, and personally send out all the rewards for the lost Dutchman. How many backers did you have on that? I believe we had somewhere around uh, 350. Okay. Um, and I sent out about, about, um, we had 326, 326 backers, and I sent out somewhere around about you know 350 packages um, on my own. It was it was actually easier than I I thought it was going to be, um, but it, it did take quite a bit of planning and quite a bit of setup work. And it did take a little bit of space too, right? Yeah, I uh, took over the the garage in my house and I let my wife know this is Crash Games Warehouse. Uh, from this this point forward, because uh, I got eight pallets uh, of games. That was it was overwhelming, but it was really really neat to see just that amount of product. It's a really cool part of the process. That unfortunately I had missed out on our first project rise because that went to to a distributor. Yeah, you missed. I guess that's one way of describing missing out on that. Um, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's that's really a subjective joy. Yeah, it's because. Now, at this stage, you're looking around and you're saying, okay, you've tried the, the self-publishing, the self, uh, the, you know, game design, uh, self-distribution, and I've got to believe at some point you're looking at this and, well, wait a minute, I can't do all of this myself. No, and, and I can't, and, you know, I have worn just about every hat that there is is to wear in this industry. I was also a retailer, so the only thing I really haven't done at this point is, is you know – I've done distribution, I've done design, I've done development, I've done publishing, I've done retail. Um, I don't know what I haven't haven't really done. <laughs> sure. And there's only there's only so much time in the day. Um, I know there's a lot of a lot of business people that subscribe to the work for your business, not in your business. But as a small business, you know that doesn't that doesn't necessarily meet all the the typical you know business metrics. You have to figure out what works best for your business and adjust accordingly. And I I'm not I'm not arrogant or prideful enough to step back and go, you know what, this isn't working, and I need to find a solution to this so that I can continue doing what I love. So one solution that people oftentimes will find, they'll look around, they'll say, well, I can't do this all myself. So um, I, I can't do this all by myself. And they go out and find a partner. Mm -hmm. uh, oftentimes they find that partner before they're ready to go. And in your case, you, uh, you established a partnership. Uh, Crash Games was a partnership to start off with, if I recall. Is that correct? Yeah, Crash Games was uh, a company that I had started with with Michael Co. and both of our wives, since Arizona is a communal property state, and uh, we we just we hit it off at at Gen Con 2011, and it was it was it was great. You know, it's very helpful um, to have a partner. Um, it could also be very frustrating for both people involved. You know, particularly when you have two alpha males. And, you know, decisions have to be made. One person likes one side, the other doesn't. It can be very, very taxing. And, and you know, you talk about all the hats that you wear, you know, throughout the business. It, it becomes a bit uh, frustrating over time that you have to do all that work within your, your company before you even make any of the, you know, really, you know, meaningful decisions. 
And in your case, I know this is a slightly sensitive topic, but in your case, that partnership didn't didn't last. Well, it 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 didn't. It you know came to a natural a natural head when I I was moving from Phoenix to Tucson, and my business partner uh, Michael Co had just had a baby, and so our our worlds radically changed. You know the the moving to a different city was a pretty big a pretty big thing because we both lived right there in Phoenix. We were able to get together multiple times a week if necessary to work on development of games, to discuss things, to review art in person. There's just there's a lot that can't be accomplished over the phone or via email. And then, you know, financially a, a new business is just it's a it's a money vampire. It just sucks up money wherever it can. And you know, when you have a child you, your priorities got to change. You have a baby. You have to take care of that baby, and that financially can be very taxing on a couple. So it really kind of – there wasn't a, a big, huge precipitating event or some you know big, nasty argument. It was, look, we need to, we need to talk and be responsible about this and, and sort it out before things get you know, more confusing. And so – you know, we it was so difficult to start because Michael is one of my best friends. And the for all the the grief and all the stress that can come from a, a business partnership, there's a tremendous amount of fun and a tremendous amount of joy, you know, in a person to to enjoy all that with. And when you're having a rough day, maybe they can bring you back up and and vice versa. So there's you know, there's just as much good as there is bad. Um but Things were going to change and, and we had to sit down and have the very difficult conversation of what it looked like. Yeah, and you guys uh, split it ami- amicably – you say the word. Amicably. Yeah, that's the word. <laughs> yeah, and- we, we did. We split under the best – the best possible terms, you know, and it's funny when you hear from other, other people that, Oh, I thought you guys had a fight or they, they want this big nasty event to be there. And I agree. That's great drama. It would make for a much, much better story. People actually don't want to accept that we sat down like two responsible adults that are best friends and said, how can, how can we both walk away from this and both of us win? Right. And And so, and you were able to do that. Yeah, we were able to do that. And, you know, I won't get into all the specifics, but, you know, the agreement was we're going to split here. Um, You know, we'll split what we make on the games that we made together. Um, I will get to keep Crash Games and Michael will get to publish our newest game, Dungeon Hero, so that he can kind of form his company and kind of, you know, hit the gate running. And, you know, we agreed to that. And and that was that was something that we both felt good about. So. It's it's difficult, you know, because being in a business partnership, oh my gosh, I can't believe how many parallels it has to a marriage. And so it becomes extremely difficult to learn how to act and how to behave and and what the boundaries are moving forward because that person is essentially your your business ex. That's right. And, yeah, and um, you know, I know it's a bit of a a sensitive topic for you, but you had a, a split as well, yeah. I did, and um, yes, I did, because because last year I tried, I decided I wanted to uh, give a, a go to try to establish a uh, a game company. So yes, formed Albino Dragon. Uh, it did not work out well. Um, and the split, unfortunately, wasn't as pleasant as you were able to establish. And mm. it's been something that 
that rather than and, and I, I didn't I chose not to say anything. I just chose to be quiet. Uh, and uh, people continue to be a little bit surprised that I'm not part of that anymore. Um, similar circumstances. My partner uh, quit his job, moved out of state. Suddenly, um, it was very difficult to communicate, to have uh, communication back and forth. There were very strong differences of opinion on what, how things were being handled. It usually comes down to money. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and so that split happened, and uh, you know it hasn't been pleasant. It's been rather difficult, and it's not been. And so I find myself, in which I appreciate you being very candid with you, yours. I find myself in a position of, what do you say? Do you, you don't want to besmirch, besmirch the person or what they're doing, but the, if there are fundamental disagreements, you kind of just keep it to yourself. And so that's what I chose to do. Yeah, and I can under I can understand that. You know, that was the very, the very difficult, the very difficult thing. And I'm really sorry that, that you had to go through that because I can tell you, I probably took years off my life, even though we, we split amicably. Um, the process of, of coming to that point was very, very emotional, uh, very, very psychologically frustrating, um, mainly because, you know, of course, there's going to be disagreements at, at points in that. And throughout the entire thing, I had to remember this is a, a friend of mine. And we both wanted to maintain that friendship after after the split. And it would have been so much easier just to, you know, flip someone off and, and move on and and you know go I really that is the easiest, the easiest way to handle it. It's much more difficult to make sure that everybody's happy and that everybody feels like they're winning. And, you know, there's definitely scarring there that that has to heal. And I really I really can't stress that it was not easy to do that in a, in a positive way. It, it just wasn't, but it, it was is one of, but it does, one of the hardest things ever. I bet. But it does sound like it's something that you were able to do. And now here you are, you have, uh, you've, and, and we're about out of time. And so, but we've able, Aww. able to, well, I know time goes by very quickly on the extended episode. Yeah. <laughs> we don't do extended episodes. I know. I, I hold pretty hard to that 20 minutes, but, uh, what we've got is, uh, You've kind of ran the gamut here, and so I guess the takeaway, if we're going to tell somebody, look, if you're in a similar situation as Patrick or myself, and you're looking at doing this, pick your partnerships carefully, decide what you're going to do, right? Are you going to be a publisher? Are you going to be a designer? Are you going to be a distributor? You can't do it all. Go pick the one you want to do. Find strong partnerships, people that you can trust and that you share their values in, and then you know, take the steps to make it work, and it's going to take a lot of work, isn't it? It is. It is a tremendous amount of work. And so I would, you know, I've had people ask me, you know, having gone through what I've gone through, if I could do it all over again and 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 have Michael as a partner, would I? Absolutely. Um, I equate it to, you know, if you <laughs> I'd rather to have loved and lost than to never love at all. Sure. And I know that's not, you know, exactly pertinent here, but I'd rather have had that great experience with him as a partner. We have some awesome memories. We had some awesome, you know, uh, experiences that we went through, like showing up at, at BGG con 2011, just driving 16 hours straight to get to Dallas and, and trying to push an abstract strategy from a brand new company and, and all these things that we did. I mean, we, we bled, 
you know, essentially together. We we cut our teeth in this industry. We worked our butts off, and I would do it all over again. So I, I don't want people to to walk away from this podcast and think, oh, well, having a business partner is a horrible idea. No, just make sure you're doing it right. And you know, if you're hesitant, make sure that you build a build a plan on your, of your you know an exit strategy so that it exists if it if it comes up. And if right, if you have to split, make it make it straightforward. Make it up front and be, uh, be adults about it. So it sounds like you've done a good job with that. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on the show just to kind of talk about stuff. What's the next game that you guys have coming out? Well, uh, crash games will be launching paradise fallen here on Kickstarter. Uh, we're shooting for April, April the 9th is a launch date and, uh, paradise fallen is a game, uh, designed by Andrew Wright. And I, I redid the theme on it. Um, but Andrew Wright is a, uh, he's out of Seattle now, but he was based out of Texas. Um, it's a game that he had on the Game Crafter for a while. Really fun two to four player card game um, of exploration. Very uh, it, it evokes feelings of survive because it definitely has some some take that some screw you element to it, and uh, just a really fun fun game. And looking forward to uh, to seeing that the art. Oh my gosh, my artist Jason Carr and my graphic designer Daryl Louder are insanely talented. The art and the graphic design for this game is ridiculous. Well, we've had Daryl on the show for Compounded. And so yes. uh, I, I pronounced it properly that way since last time I had him on the show. I pronounced the game improperly the whole time. So we'll be, I, th- I have the same problem. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll take a look. Uh, Paradise Fallen, April 9th on Kickstarter from Crash Games. Patrick, thanks for being on the show. Thanks so much, Richard. Always, always a blast. You've been listening to Funding the Dream on Kickstarter. My name's Richard Bliss. My host has been Patrick Nickel from Crash Games. We've been talking, well, we've been talking about a lot of things, business uh, partnerships and business practices, and also about their Paradise Fallen game coming out April 9th. Hopefully you've heard something inspiring, maybe, but at least cautionary that uh, you can use for your next endeavor because we're looking forward to seeing your project on Kickstarter. Thanks for listening. Take care.